and we're back. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Seth Thorpe. I'm your host of the amazing, amazing basketball podcast we have here called the Chef's Kitchen Podcast. I once again would like to welcome you, and if you are listening to any platform or on YouTube or any of that, rate it five stars out of five, leave a like, leave a comment, and subscribe to the channel. We put out new episodes every Saturday, and we may put up a new one during the week, depending if I end up missing that Saturday, or we do two episodes if we find the time. Who knows? We'll see how it goes from there. But with that said, and with that out of the way, once again, thank you so much for being here today. Um, We're going to hop straight into it. I want to just cover all the games that have happened since we came back from All-Star break. Let's go look at some of them that we have right now. And I wanted to make a couple notes of a few ones, so we'll get to those when we do. Uh, Today we actually had a game. We had the Celtics versus Pistons. Now, I didn't even get to watch that. I didn't even know that was happening. All I know is Celtics are 2-0 since coming back from the All-Star break. And even before they came back from it, they were playing phenomenal basketball. I mean... This team, from looking like a team that can't close out games to save their lives, to now finally being able to say they're only three wins behind of the first seed in the East, is very impressive, and I wouldn't underestimate them in the slightest. I mean, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all-star talent. Tatum maybe all-NBA this year. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But with the Celtic trajectory going up higher and higher, you can't just leave this team just out there hoping that it goes away or just dies in the first round of playoffs. This team is going to annoy one of these contenders at the top, like the Sixers, the Bulls, Heat, uh, and the Nets at the bottom. I don't know how. We'll get into that in a minute. But essentially, look out for the Celtics because they did beat the Nets by a good amount. They beat the Pistons. Can't guard Kay Cunningham, but you know, it is what it is. Nobody can guard that man. But now that we return, let's talk about Thursday and Friday. So, starting from the least important games, Cavalier versus Pistons. Pistons are 2-0 coming out of the break as well. I just want to note that. Oh, wait. Never mind. They're 1-1. and I say 2-0. 1-1. They're not doing too bad. But it is what it is. I don't really have too much to say about that game. Any notable stats? Let me look at it. Uh, No, I didn't really write anything notable. Uh, Giallo just playing all right. But I really don't want to talk about the game. T-Wolves win. Warriors dominant win over the Blazers. Now... Blazers are going to start sliding a lot more than they were already projected to do because of the loss of Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkic. He is out with a left, I think it was like a left plantar, something like that. Something with his foot, with his left foot, keeping him out for at least a month. So he's going to be gone for quite a while. And now it's time for the Blazers to tank. And with that tanking, that means they're going to fall out of that 10th seed spot and open that up for another team coming soon and that team can either be the Spurs or the Pelicans in my mind because the Pelicans are playing really nice basketball since they traded for CJ McCollum last night winning against the Phoenix Suns 117-102 CJ McCollum on a four or five game stretch of just greatness putting up 32 points last night and the Suns we need to talk about the Suns a little bit because I wonder how they're going to keep playing with the absence of Chris Paul. Now, this Sun team is phenomenal, right? But Chris Paul does is the one thing they are missing, with his great playmaking, a floor general, and someone who can just manage the team and a great leader in the locker room. Now, you have the talent. You have Aiton. You have Booker. You have Mikhail. You have everybody, right? 
But when you don't have that uh, that leader, that veteran, you're going to see a little bit of a slip, a little bit of a struggle. So I would not be surprised with the Warriors going to dominate as they are. We're going to be talking about that soon. I wouldn't be surprised if that first seed give, gets given up within this uh, one, two-month span that Chris Paul is going to be out. He's projected to return about playoff time, but you never know what can happen. It's Chris Paul. It's always about that uh, injury timing when playoff time gets around here. And now, speaking of the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, you know, beating the Blazers. Who who cares about that? No one cares about the Blazers getting beat. What we care about is that Draymond should be coming back soon, probably in about like three to four weeks, hopefully. But James Wiseman is now coming back, and that is crucial. James Wiseman coming back to the team is going to be amazing because the one problem, even when they've had Draymond, is being able to have that big interior force. Now, Kevon Looney's cool, and whoever they've been playing, I don't even know who their backup center behind Kevon Looney's been. I think it's uh, probably... I don't. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. Probably just small, a lot of small ball. Maybe Kaminga at the five. I doubt it. But for the most part, Kavon is like their only big guy. And Kavon Looney is cool, but he's not going to be able to keep up out there with the Athens of the conference, with the Go Bears, with the. I'm not saying they're amazing with the Cats, with the Jokic's. They're not going to be able to keep up with them. But James Wiseman can. James Wiseman is that dude, and he may have had a rough rookie season to begin, especially in comparison to his uh, counterpart. Parts Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball, but he is still a phenomenal talent that went number two regardless of what you think happened. Now, what does that mean heading towards the future? I think this Warrior team is going to go crazy, and I I would say I don't know who's going to come out. Now, I know I said earlier in the last pod that I have the Suns coming out, but with the return of Wiseman, and I think he's going to play phenomenal, I think the Warriors are now heading towards the trend of being the favorite once again. And that's big, because you'll really only have two contenders. So I think the Warriors are going to take that one seed spot in within the next two weeks. I would say, yeah, I would say within the next two weeks, the Warriors get that one seed, and then hold on to it and clinch the conference as we head into the playoffs. And now speaking of teams that are looking to clinch the conference, the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Bulls currently just dominating. <laughs> Or should I say DeMar DeRozan dominating? You know, only one game, but that game was great. 37 points, 2 with 3 from 3, uh, shot 71% from the field. How do you stop him? The Hawk threw every look they possibly could on defense, and they couldn't beat the Bulls. Now, they kept it close despite Trey Young having a god-awful game. Trey Young only had 14 points on 3-17 shooting and 5 turnovers. Now the Hawks, that's you can't be you can't be losing games like this. A winnable game, right? You only lost by four points. A winnable game, you can't be giving up giving that up when you're in contention for the play in, right? You only have one more win over the Wizards. If the Wizards don't lose in double OT last night to the Spurs, I'm pretty sure you give up that spot to the Wizards for that for the day or until you guys win again. But this is not the place where you need to be losing winnable games. This is the place where you have to start taking off and get something. Because you, <laughs> I mean, you don't have a choice. Today you play the Raptors. Raptors got blown the fuck out. We'll talk about that just now. Raptors. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Let's see what happened here. I didn't really watch the highlights of the game, I'll be honest. But, I mean, you had a deeper rotation, but you were getting dogged. I mean, you were getting dogged. You let the Hornets put up 42 and a quarter against you. Jesus. Jesus, the Hornets. And now they're going to be making a late playoff push as well. 
I think the Hornets are going to be able to actually secure a spot, but I'm not exactly sure. The Raptors are such an odd team. I wouldn't be surprised if they stay where they are at the 6th, 7th seed, and I wouldn't be surprised if they fell off the playoffs entirely. But this team is very well led. It just seemed like they had a bad game. Hornets kind of firing, you know, a great offensive team. Defense maybe is definitely their biggest issue. But we're going to keep it pushing. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of the Wizards, double overtime versus the Spurs. Wow, I watched that game actually. And that game was actually intense. <laughs> At In Washington, I don't know. Was it, what is the name of the stadium? I don't know. Let me find this real quick. What is the name of what is the name of the Wash Washington Wizards Arena? I need to know the name of these arenas. Uh, the Capital One Arena. The Capital One Arena. It was livid last night because of double over overtime. You know how it is. And Keldon Johnson was a hooper. Now he didn't do much in overtime from what I saw, but when he during regulation he went crazy. Deontay Murray, All Star caliber player, thirty one points, 13 rebounds, 14 assists, was dominating, had an amazing running floater at the end to seal the game off from the Wizards from coming back. Lonnie Walker came off the bench and looking like the draft pick he was supposed to be. I think Lonnie Walker has a lot of potential to be really good in this league. He had the drive. I've seen it from him, and I've heard it from him in his interviews. Now it's just a matter of him making a talent happen, and I think it will happen eventually. Just he might be a late bloomer in that sense. And uh, other players played well. Devin Vassell had a nice shot in overtime to begin it. Doug McDermott didn't even see much of him. Jakob Pertl dominating 28-11-8. I watched the Wizards at the end of the game. Uh, down three points with like 40 seconds left. And instead of deciding to play the foul game, I don't know why West and so drew up this play. But it was essentially a KCP isolation three that he had to pass out of and get the ball back. And then try to make the three happen instead of driving the paint. And I think a lot of that contributed to uh, we're not going to be able to score on Jakob. <laughs> or, yeah, we're not going to be able to score on Pirtle. So, we're just going to shoot the three. Kyle Kuzma played a great game, had 36 points. Struggled in overtime there. But, hey, you know what? It happened to the best of them. You got 46 minutes. Your legs are going to be tired. Raul Nito kept them in the game. He hit a couple nice threes. But for the most part, that was a fun game. I'll give I would give that game a 5 out of 5 for sure, especially just because both teams are kind of playing for nothing. They're not really playing for a high draft pick. They're kind of playing for the play-in. But I think both teams are going to be heading in the right direction, especially when the Wizards get back Porzingis and Bradley Beal. So we'll see what goes from there. What else happened yesterday? Oh, of course, we can't forget the, mag the mention, the most important game of the night. <laughs> The Magic versus Rockets, you know, we were really clamoring for that matchup. The battle at the bottom is what I like to call that. Uh, we need to find a name because I don't know who's going to go first in the draft. We'll get more into that. But last year, we tanked for Cade. It was kind of obvious Cade Cunningham is the, is the dude you take first over Mobley, over Jalen Green. And you can debate if that's still the thing now. I still believe Cade goes first over Mobley. I think Cade is still better than Mobley. But Mobley is amazing, don't get me wrong. Jalen Green, I think he's going to be a late bloomer, especially in that Rockets system. But beyond that, uh, Rockets lose. Jalen Green actually had 23 last night. I look at it, nice. a boy. <laughs> and then, I say a boy like he's not older than me. Like, what? Uh, but the Magic, it doesn't matter they won this game. What really matters is Markel is returning. He announced on the Magic podcast today that he is coming back tonight versus the 
is it tonight or tomorrow? Where is it? No, it's not tonight. It's not tom not tomorrow. No, it's not. It's Monday. That's when it is. Monday. Monday, he's coming back versus Indiana. And then that leads me to the next game I want to mention. Indiana is the other OT game that happened last night. Indiana versus OKC. Shea Gilgis Alexander makes his return after missing quite a bit of time. I think it was like a month or two he missed where the Thunder didn't have him and they had to rely on Josh Giddey and Lou Dort and, you know, all the other players that they had. But OKC, oh, man, they're going to be scary when they actually get a good team going. But Shea Gilgis with 36 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. The Canada Wonder is back. Uh, you know, Giddy did not play last night, but it was fine. Indiana, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, he didn't have as great of a game as last. Does the last two. He only had 14 and 11. And he ended up missing the game saver. I would say, yeah, I wouldn't say game winner. I would say game saving three in overtime. He missed it badly, but... I'm not going to knock him nut much. It was a baldy sh it was a baldy shot. But Lance Stevenson came in and put some important minutes on, hit the shot, sent it to overtime, <laughs> but sadly fouled out after missing an open three and Shea getting the and one to put him up three points, which then eventually led to Tyree taking his shot. Buddy Hugh played amazing, 29 points, great shooting. Love to see it. <laughs> and now, was that, would they have the Kings played yet? I don't, I haven't, I don't think the Kings have played. I really want to talk, yeah, they did. They lost against the Nuggets. That's great. Absolutely great. I love to see that. I love to see the Kings suck. But DeMontis and De'Aaron don't. DeMontis, De'Aaron don't. De'Aaron, NFT's gamer, question mark. Who knows? Who cares? DeMontis, still amazing. I don't have too much to say about them. Nuggets are kind of just there. Like I said, we'll talk more about contenders in a little bit. But the next two games I want to mention are actually important now. I'm kind of done with those games. Oh, yeah, Heat Knicks. Let me hop on that for a second. Heat, it looked legit. I just want to say, now that Bam is back, now that Lowry's back, and the whole lineup is actually playing together, the Heat look like a legit team now. But R.J. Barrett had 46 points. And all I have to say is, if Cam Reddish starts getting, I mean, he got 16 minutes. If he starts getting consistent minutes and get it good once again, and they get Zion here. This is going to be an interesting team. I honestly don't believe Zion wants to be in New Orleans anymore. I believe he's going to pussy and pitch and bitch his way out of New Orleans one way or another and head to New York. And that's terrible for the league. And not not in the town aspect. I still don't think there'll be enough for a championship if Zion has there with RJ and Cam. I think on this fact of your rookie can just be a pussy and just get his way, especially out of New Orleans, where it's the smallest market in the NBA, according to all the data. And you hate to see it because, like I said, they're playing great basketball. You have CJ McCollum, you have Jonas, and you have Bernard Ingram playing amazing, yet you don't want to buy into the system. You had to get bullied or called out by J.J. Redick, of all people, to actually go and do something. You're a Duke alumni had to go and call you a bad teammate for you to go and actually talk about them and now you're doing better but I don't believe it's sincere I believe it would be because you wanted to not look as bad in the media's eye and you really don't want to be there in New Orleans which is a terrible look on you Zion and you're a phenomenal player but if you don't have the image not many people are going to stand behind you <laughs> and <laughs> kind of like how people don't really stand behind the Sixers 
when they have to watch so how many free throws they shot last night? Oh, they shot 36 free throws last night. <laughs> yeah, people aren't going to stand behind that. But James Harden and Joel Embiid look. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. <laughs> Come on, man. And this team. Now, Tobias Harris didn't play well, but everyone else did. And what you really need to notice is like Harden and Embiid look like an amazing fit. They look rejuvenated. They both look motivated to go play. And from the words of Rusty Buckus, what from the question I from the you know rhetoric question he asked, was it worth Andre Drummond? And yes, it was. Of course, Rusty, you're right. Of course, it would worth Andre Drummond of all people. But on the T Wolves end. Uh, you had a little bit of a struggle right there for anything Edwards. He's kind of sliding in the last couple games. Cat D'Lo looked fine. Patrick Beverly plays good defense, but I think this team's cap is going to be no more than a first-round exit. And finally, the last game I want to mention tonight, the Battle of L.A. What a failed rivalry we have. And that's going to get me started on my next topic, but first, the Clippers bench <laughs> just freaking dominated. Wow. Everyone on the bench had 10 points or more for the Clippers. And now they don't play a defense. They only play four four or five people max off the bench some nights. But it's still like, wow. You lost to this team. Nobody on this team is even better than Russell Westbrook, in my opinion. And it doesn't make sense. You're like, okay, you look at the Lakers, right? Boom, Westbrook had 18. Uh, LeBron had 21. Dwight had 14, 16. Essie almost had a double-double in the first quarter. But Carmelo had 18, Taylor Horder at 16, right? And you still lose. You have a way better team on paper. And you you just can't win against a Clipper team that's missing Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And Norman Powell. Like, what are you doing? This season is over for LA. Both teams. I mean, Clippers weren't going to win anything unless they had Kawhi and Paul George. And if they just had Paul George, first round exit, second round exit. Cool. Whatever. But L.A., I know you're struggling with injuries as well with Anthony Davis, with LeBron. But really, with, from what I'm seeing and coming to the break, coming out this week against the Clippers, no. You suck. You legitimately suck. And anyone trying to defend them legitimately doesn't have any opinions. They're just saying, they're just talking the talk. This team sucks. No matter the talent you have on it, no matter the names and the reputation that surrounds this team, the fit that has followed sucks. And this team sucks. I don't know how many more times I have to say it. This LA team season, this LA Laker team season was a failure, and this team sucks. Now, <laughs> why does this team suck so much? And why, and you know, obviously for them sucking, they're still the ninth seed, right? That's not completely terrible. In any other year, they'd be out the playoffs, right? If it's a season ended now, but they could still fight, get the eighth seed, and, you know, maybe make an upset run. But, man, come on. You were projected to be one of the best teams in the league. You and the Brooklyn Nets were projected to be top of the league, dominating everybody when you had everyone healthy. But now you both are at the bottom of your conference in the playoff fight. (laughs) <laughs> now, you have the potential to fall out of the playoffs at any given moment, depending on what happens with matchups. And maybe if you, if maybe you could play good that night, but 
you know, maybe the Blazers come out and Fernie goes for 40 because you can't play defense because LeBron and Westbrook give up some possessions when there's a misrotation or something or they don't want to make the hustle. Who knows what happens? But is it so disappointing? And I think the most disappointing part about all of that is the forced battle of LA. The battle for LA was one of the most hype rivalries I've seen. That was supposed to happen. It was supposed to be spectacular. Lakers versus Clippers conference finals. The real NBA finals they said. Was supposed to happen. Then one blown 3-1 leads later. One Anthony Davis going down. In the third fourth game of the series. Later. And both teams getting injured. Or underperforming heavily later. And now we're looking at one of the greatest what-if rivalries in NBA history. It was really one of those uh, magnificent things you thought you could see, but never happened. It's like Kobe and LeBron. You never saw Kobe and LeBron go head-to-head in the finals like we wanted to. And because of on part of the Lakers failing, or maybe that year the Cavs didn't make it because they failed to the Celtics. It was so, so, so disappointing. And we never got to saw it. And I'm just really hoping next year, right, LeBron stays on the Lakers for his one year, picks up that player option. Westbrook either figures it out or kicks rocks. Uh, at this point, I don't care. I'm not even a Lakers fan. I don't care what happens. I want Indiana to do amazing. I want Indiana to win a championship this year, but that's not going to happen, obviously. And I want Anthony Davis to be healthy. I want Kawhi and Paul George to be healthy. And I want all teams coming in, firing on all cylinders. And when playoff time hits, one seed, two seed, meet in the conference finals and go head-to-head and finally live up the rivalry that was supposed to happen. But even if that goes down as is planned, I really don't think it will be the same hype as it should have been. I really don't. <laughs> it was supposed to be a certain way back then, right? When the hype initially happened, when Kawhi and Paul George were touted as the best defensive duo in the league, and both amazing performers. And then we get to the bubble. PG-13. Playoff PG. Kawhi played terrible in Game 7 versus the Nuggets. But no one's ever going to mention that. No one's ever going to say anything about that. Because Kawhi doesn't talk like that. You don't talk and nobody's going to say anything about you. And then we get into the playoffs the next year. And the Clippers look really good. Paul George plays amazing. Kawhi plays amazing. They beat the Mavericks. They go into the next round versus the Jazz. And Kawhi gets injured in game five at the end of the game. Almost made all the way through. And what seemed like a mild knee injury turns into an ACL tear. And now Paul George has to carry it through. Upsets the, cl- upsets the Jazz. Legitimately upsets the Jazz. No one actually expected the Clippers to win in that fashion of coming back down 20 because of Terrence Mann. <laughs> Because of Terrence Mann, and then losing to the Suns in the conference final because they actually have a big man that could dunk on Nick Batum and uh, Ivica Zubak. And now it's just so it's just so sad to watch this team fizzle out. They have two more seasons, legitimately, of this core before I believe LeBron leaves to go play wherever Bronny plays. And AD kind of has his own thing going, and Kawhi may leave. Paul George might leave. Actually, no, wait, Paul George's on an extension. Kawhi might leave. Who really knows what will happen? But it's sad, and I think more rivalries 
are keep getting manufactured like that. Like, why didn't a rivalry between the Nuggets and the Jazz get pushed? Why didn't that get pushed? Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray had one of the greatest duels of all time in the playoffs, and you never hear any about that. But I think also that's a mix of NBA media wanting to forget about the bubble, no matter how great you, it was basketball-wise. Why did nobody ever want to push the rivalry of Sixers versus Bucks, or who knows, like Nets versus Nets versus Sixers? Why don't we push that yet? But we wanted to push Battle of LA for so long. We have so many other great rivalries in the NBA, yet we wanted to just push that, and that's a lot of media narrative we want to push things that usually don't end up happening we want to find a new toy to play with until it becomes old we got to get a new one we got to get a new toy to tussle around until we break it or it doesn't turn out the way it should have been like the media going to go through the cycle of beating down LA and beating on Westbrook and beating on LeBron beating on Anthony Davis until it's over and they find the next great team to beat on I bet if Giannis wins another championship this year I bet that he becomes the beating stock of the media. And you've already seen a little bit of it. You know, the media doubted Giannis for so long. So, so long they doubted Giannis of what he could do and how efficiently he could win basketball games. But now, you know, they love him. They love him. But even during the finals, until he dropped that 50-point game where he made all his free throws, the NBA was saying Chris Milton was the Batman of the team. Kendrick Perkins, I don't forget, you called him a Batman. I'm never going to let that forget. I'm never going to let that forget at all. So I, I will put money on I will put good and great money on the fact that if Giannis wins another championship this year, he gets he start getting massive hate. They start calling him out for being fake humble whenever he calls another player in the NBA the best player in the league. And I understand where you're coming from, but he's giving his respect to the ones who came before him and clearly have the capabilities of having that best title in the league with KD and LeBron when he calls them the best players in the league and then go dominate. I understand that if you might think that's weird. But Jesus, dude, you know how nitpicky you have to be to get on a player for being nice? That's how negative this media can get. If the Heat win, man, if the Heat makes the finals again, go back to call them bubble guppy. Go back to call them everything, right? Sixers, oh, if the Sixers lose, if the 76ers lose in the finals or don't even make it, you're going to hear all the stuff about how MB can win, how James Harden is a cancer in the locker room, how Doc Rivers is the worst great coach of all time I would put in the NBA 75. You hear all the narratives that are put on the NBA. And what I'm going with that is that the NBA just is, well, the media sports are just a whole, just so brutal in how they want to push things, right? So brutal. Everything's had such a short window. You can't really enjoy it if you want to be a casual fan and follow the media. If you want to enjoy things, you find one or two teams and you find the bright spots in both of those teams. Unless you want to be a Kings and a Wizards fan, then I mean, I don't know how you can be happy. But if you want to choose that, if you want to choose that route, maybe. You can't be happy, but if you, let's say Pacers, Pacers, right? My number one team in the East is my favorite team. The Mavericks, my favorite team in the West. I find bright spots in both teams despite them having near, uh, <laughs> very, very different records. Nothing even close. And even with me being sad they traded Porzingis, you find the bright spots. But in NBA media talk, Luka Doncic, 
cannot win on this team. Luka Doncic wants out and reportedly somehow wants to go to New York. Apparently, every NBA player in the league wants to go to New York City. Apparently, that is what all the sources want to say. They all want to play in New York or L.A. No one ever wants to play in Utah. No one ever wants to play in Portland. No one ever wants to play in Minnesota. They all want to play in New York or L.A. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? And just, it's so tiring. Just my main point is, whatever team you watch and whoever you cheer for, just have fun doing it. Don't get too caught up in the narratives because the narratives are narratives. They're pushing a point, whether it's true or false, and they will keep pushing that point as long as it can be viable to sell clicks and they don't look like a complete buffoon. But either way, they still do it if they're going to go call the Lakers still a team you want to not face in the playoffs. And that, uh, I mean, even I'll stick it for Lakers. They're saying Westbrook is a terrible player. I don't think he's terrible. I think the fit in L.A. with Frank Vogel and the system they have and the players they have around him is terrible. Westbrook would do way better on another team with a better system and a better coach. That's what he did in Washington. Washington has arguably even worse force facing. Yet, I think he looks so much better with him and Beal. He looks so much better. And it just frustrates me listening to all these narratives. It's like, man, just watch him go hoop. That boy, nice watcher, is definitely the happiest way to go about watching NBA. <laughs> and that also comes into the MVP race. Who's going to win MVP now? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I flip a coin between uh, Embiid and Jokic at this point. Now, I would you could say, oh, Embiid is the third seed and has a better record. It's only by two games, right? Only by two games. And Jokic has way worse help and still has two and only has two less wins than Embiid. <laughs> like, you can say what you want about the Nuggets when they're healthy, but the Nuggets don't have a Harden when they're healthy. They have Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr., who they're not getting back this season. Maybe a Jamal Murray, but definitely not Michael Porter. And then we look into the other, uh, other candidates for MVP. We have Giannis. Who's the four seed right now? Same record as the Sixers, but I think people are tired of giving him the award. But I think he definitely deserves it if he does. The Warriors with Steph, obviously second seed, has the best record out of anybody in the MVP race. Yet had that slump in January, in the beginning of the New Year's, after he got that three-point record, he had that slump, and but now he's bouncing back. Like I've already said my things about the Warriors, they look scary. They look like contenders. I mean, the real contenders, the one. 2015, 2017, 2018 contenders, what I'm talking about. And finally, DeMar DeRozan moved up into the top five once again. DeMar DeRozan, second seed of the East, <laughs> tied tie record, I think. I don't even know how they do it. I think it's a tiebreaker between each team. I guess whoever won the last one, who knows. But the Bulls are looking amazing. I don't think DeMar DeRozan has a slight of a chance unless he starts averaging like 35 points. And like just overtakes the one seed and just starts running away with it on a massive win streak. If the Bulls can do that, don't be surprised if you look back in NBA history 10 years from now and you're like, wow, DeMar DeRozan has an MVP. Ain't that neat? <laughs> Ain't that neat? Who would have known? Who would have fucking known DeMar DeRozan gets the MVP? Wouldn't that? Who, would, who in the coming into the season would have thought, wow, DeMar DeRozan would be arguably one of the hardest players in the league to guard this season? Because. He was good on San Antonio, but he wasn't the same. He was demotivated, and he goes to Chicago, and this man is is amazing. Like, Jesus, you can't guard him. 
like I haven't sat down and watched a full bowl game. I just go and watch the Rosen highlights and I get my fix. I am a mid-range maniac. I love that shit. I love watching Jokic work in the post. I love walking, watching Embiid work in the post. I love watching all of that. And so seeing DeRozan fully go crazy is such beautiful basketball. I love that difficult shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of that kind of lead me to go to my uh, final thoughts about like playoff seeding and all that. I think Hornets are going to make a late push into the season, and I believe the Spurs or the Pelicans are going to be the team to take the 10th seed and do play and fight. But for the most part, besides those, I think the East and the West are more locked, more or less locked with their playoff positioning. I say unless a team has a major injury, knock on wood, nothing happened that is too severe and that we can keep pushing with what we have. And yeah, that's about it. Uh, what else can I talk about? Some goals for the, for the podcast. I want to get at least like two more episodes out. No, it's about to be a new month. It's February. It's end of February. All right, next month for March, I want to get about four or five episodes out. I want to get, um, I want to start asking getting people to listen to this podcast. I want to keep improving the quality, and I want to keep improving my knowledge as an NBA fan and analyst. I want to get better at my job, because at the end of the day, I am not only here to, you know, talk and give myself a platform, but also educate the people who want to come and listen to me and give them a different perspective on the game. You know, maybe a way they haven't seen it before, or maybe a way that they would like to, you know, want to talk about, want to debate. Everything is open to my eyes. So, definitely keep that in mind. But now, with that being said, I think this is a good place to end the podcast. Uh, let's see how long we've been at. Let's see, uh, 33 minutes. I say that's a good amount of time. I wonder if they're actually going to get a lot longer. I wonder if they're going to get a lot longer. Who knows? Honestly, I really don't know who cares. As long as they're coming to listen and having fun, I think that's all that matters. But now, with that said, my name is Seth... Let's do that again. <laughs> with that said, my name is Seth Thorpe, and I am signing out.